and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about philosophy and books and history and things that we have found interesting recently. My name is Thomas Magby. I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Donaldson. Hello. And Mr. AJ Hannon. Hey, you. And today we are... You know, uh, I, you know, we've talked about I have I have two kids, um, and you know, I've been I've been teaching my kid about you know which way is right and which way is left, and so today, um, AJ is going to walk us through the history of directions, which oh, I'm, I'm really I'm thankful for. Geez. So you're going to talk through just for humans, though. Yeah, our human left, the human rights, and our human yeah. rights. Yeah, oh my so, word! Um, very excited for this episode. <laughs> what a belabored pun! Hey, I got there. <laughs> got there eventually. We arrived. Um, Okay, so yeah, I'm talking about human rights today, and the reason I d- decided to do this is because people are often clamoring for their rights, right? They say education is a human right, free health care is a human right, forgiveness of student debt is like, there are, there are all sorts of demands for a specific set of human rights, and I was wondering where they came from and what exactly they are. So I have not yet found their source material, like exactly where they came from, but I did study up on what they are and how we currently see them. And the primary source I used for this was, it's going to sound bad, but the online Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. That shouldn't sound bad. Oh, that, fl- that resource is incredible. The place is amazing. I think the thing amazing. is, it's the real deal. And I've talked to philosophy professors and I said, hey, is this a resource that I can use when I'm investigating philosophy and attitude? And they say, yeah, it's awesome. Um, I think the people who keep it up are themselves philosophy professors. And so go check it out. If you ever want to find out something about, say, relativism, uh, I use it all the time, but it is sort of a good codification of current views on this topic, right? I could read one specific philosopher's view and get one attitude on it, but I decided to get sort of a current overview. And so I used the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Go check it out. It's great. Uh, So we are, again, talking about human rights today. So feel free to pipe up when you guys have questions or comments. I'm going to start with the four defining features of human rights. These are the like parts of the definition. What is a human right? So first, human rights are rights. <laughs> That's kind of a silly beginning. Yeah. But basically, it's a claim that impose duties or responsibilities on their addressees or duty bearers. So I have a right. Now, someone is going to have to give me those rights. Does that make sense? I'm making a claim against some outside body. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Right. Or either give you, not give you the rights, but let's sort of recognize my recognize rights. them, or if they are doing something that is in, in, infringing on that, they are they bound stop to stop it. Yes. If they have if they have the power to infringe morally on those bound. rights, they are supposed to stop. Well, if they are morally bound, is still a question. Why exactly we have to recognize these rights? We'll get to in the no. in the future. So they focus on freedom, protection, status, or benefit for the right holders. Um, Weirdly, some human rights seem to do little more than declare high-priority goals and assign responsibility for their progressive realization of that goal. For example, the right to public education. There are some countries that simply do not have the resources to offer public education. And so if you call it the right to public education, well, that's more a goal than it is really a human Right. right. And so often these are still included in the list, even though they are not really feasible for some places to actually affect. Right. I can't like I myself could not establish public education for people. Right. It has to be someplace that has the resources and ability to do so. And that means that they probably can't be a country in much poverty. Sure. So this is hard for some countries that don't have access to a lot of resources, which isn't really fair. And it might mean that you as a listener might say, OK, these ones I'm not really going to count as a human right. But that line seems to be shifting, right? Where you're like, just because I, you don't have the resources to affect it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be accorded to the populace. You guys okay. with me so far? Yes. Tracking. Okay. 
Um, they may exist. So your human rights may exist as a shared norm of actual human moralities, a justified moral norm supported by strong reasons, a legal right at the national level, or a legal right at the international law level. So it could be an international human right, a national human right, um, a justified moral nor norm that has strong reasons, or a shorm, shared norm of actual human morality. We'll get a little more into the support and reasons for rights as we sort of move. So along. it doesn't matter if it's just like an accept a culturally acceptable norm. It, 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 can, it can be just a culturally accepted norm as opposed to making some sort of claims on objectivity or some sort of claims on like teleological virtue. We're getting there. Okay. So that's a, that's a discussion we'll have in a second, like cool. exactly what are rights based on. Gotcha. That's sort of, I think, what, what will be our big discussion for today. Okay. So right now I'm just kind of giving you the, the four things, they, the basic tenets cool. of human rights. And then a few things that aren't really included that you may have thought were included. Okay, so thing number two. So thing number one was human rights are rights. Thing number two is human rights are plural. There's more than just one. Right? So you can't say humans have a right to life and no more. And that's it. Like yeah. there's, there's a lot of things that come along with human rights. And some people who say there's only a single human right, well, what they really mean is that under that single right are a whole bunch of things are listed, right? Okay. So if I have the right to life, that means I have the right to liberty. I can pursue happiness, right? So basically there's not just one. They're, they are plural. There are many human rights, not just a single thing. It's kind of catchy. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Did you make yeah. that up? I, off the top of my head. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's yeah. Rolls off the tongue, yeah. Um, some philosophers advocate for short lists of human rights, and we'll get to, to why that mm -hmm. might be, but they are plural, right? There's more than just one. All right, thing number three, human rights are universal. All living humans, perhaps even persons, all living persons, have human rights. Basically, you are an independent living creature, meaning that as you exist independently, and this kind of reminds me of Kant, right? You have an independent mind, and because you think you have that sort of self-realizing independence, you are accorded certain rights just because you are rational. I think okay. that's why. Um, but there are caveats. Sometimes they are only held by adult citizens in a country. For example, the right to vote, hmm. right? I, right. We are not letting three-year-olds vote, even though three-year-olds do get other human rights. Okay. They can be taken away temporarily because maybe you committed a serious crime or have done something that deserves your rights to be infringed upon by the country. This reminds me of Rousseau, who said, you know, mm. I give my rights to the country, I alienate them to the country so they can be given back to me in a fuller sense and a more right. secure sense, but that means that occasionally they can be taken away if I are there some them. Are there some that can be taken away and others that can never be taken away? Um, we'll can we'll have be, that discussion in just a second. can they all be taken away? When we talk about inalienable, bring oh, it up. Okay. Okay. So they... They can also focus on small groups, for example, women and children, okay. right? So women have a certain set of rights. Children might have a certain set of rights. Maybe minority groups have a right not to have genocide committed upon them, right? There are some rights that focus on smaller groups. So human rights are rights. Are they discovered? How do these, how are they like generated? Oh, we'll get there. That's when the, what they're based on. So just, okay. just wait for a second. I, you got all kinds Every of questions. Question. Don't worry. Yeah. We're going to arrive. So they're rights. They're plural. They are universal, meaning they apply to everyone usually, and they have high priority. Basically, they need to be able to compete with national stability and security, right? Because the nation's motive is always to preserve itself, mm -hmm. right? To be secure in its nationhood. And human rights need to be of high enough priority that in the international sphere, 
they actually have some claim. Right. And so as far as countries are concerned, as far as the UN is concerned and governments in general, human rights should have high priority, meaning that we as a country may, may need to advocate for them in other countries, right? They need to have some sort of footing on the world stage. And if they don't, well, then they're just not, they, we're just not recognizing them as, as what they should be, the priority that they actually have. All right, here are things that were not added to the definition, but could have been. Okay. So the first one, Graham, you had questions about this. Are they inalienable? Meaning that the user cannot lose it permanently or temporarily by bad conduct or by voluntarily giving it up. So some are inalienable rights. Now, this reminds me of Rousseau. Rousseau talked about alienable rights. Those are things I give to the country to receive back in a fuller form. But the, Like so, owning property. Right. I let the country tell me if I own this piece of land. And because the country can tell me and has control over it, when I actually own land, it's recognized by everyone in my country rather than me just sort of guarding it with a shotgun. Right. Uh, I'm the, sorry, but because the Graham's already made a joke about this, but it, yeah, the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, those aren't actually inalienable, right? Like you can be killed by the state if you commit a certain crime. You can be locked up in prison if you do a crime. Yeah, which is weird. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm still wondering about sort of the definition of inalienable. Right. It's... It's they can't be, stop me from having a good time. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but, and also that would probably uh, limit your happiness. Aww. Well, I guess if you alienate your life, you're dead. So that's inalienable. But, what, I, uh, but, the, but it's supposed to mean it can't be taken away or given away by the possessor of that right. But like that, those three seem to be things that can't be taken away. You can take away. life. The, the one is pursuit of happiness. You can't tell me not to try to be happy. And I can tell you yeah. I'm not going to try anymore, but I'm probably still going to try. In a pretty, I mean, again, jail's not a great place to be, so that would probably dampen your happiness. Yeah, but it's not going to make me stop trying to be That's, happy. That is right? So the pursuit of happiness is still there. That, that one truly does seem inalienable. Ta- yeah. Whereas, like, I could conceivably give up my freedom. Is that why? Because it uh, wasn't the original formulation, life, liberty, and property. Wasn't that the third one? But property can be taken away. I wonder, I wonder if the freedom one, liberty, like, even if I tell you that I am your slave... Yeah. I have the liberty to try not to be anymore. Yeah. Like I, I literally cannot give up my freedom of choice. Yeah. Right. I can say that you are in charge of me. Right. But at any point I can decide not to let that happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and maybe at the moment that I really do give up my life, I, I'm dead. Yeah. Like I, I can't conceivably give that up and still be a living person. Yeah. So those things are kind of inalienable in right. a sense. I guess they can be taken. But again, the same, like, um, suicide then would be the giving away of one's right to life. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it, it's, it, it is an alienable, I don't know. I, it's probably a distinction I just don't know much about, but. Okay. So the, the reason it's not included in our definition, right? That all human rights are inalienable is because not all human rights are inalienable. Right. Um, some of them are very hard to lose, right? That's, so this, this is a quote from the Stanford Encyclopedia, perhaps sufficient to say that human rights are very hard to lose. Uh-huh. Like you can still lose them and not, certainly not all rights are inalienable, right? Right. The right to say public education, that one's not an inalienable, right? right? That one I can give away for sure. That yeah. can be taken really easily. So that one is not included in the definition probably for that reason. Right. Okay. Second thing not included in the definition is a minimal list. There, there's a lot of philosophers who say that we should maintain a small list of human rights because if we let it balloon too much, it becomes kind of burdensome. And clearly there are some that just not, aren't a high priority. And so if we disregard those, we start disregarding others. And so best to keep it simple and small. Advocate for a few that are really important and leave the rest. Um, a small list means we can avoid the worst, but 
it, it, and really human rights are not really trying to achieve the best, right? We're trying to avoid the worst that can happen to a human, right? Let us live, let us pursue happiness, don't take my liberty. But we're not trying to like create utopia. That's not what human rights are all about. We're just trying to stave off the worst offenses that can happen to a human. Um, we're establishing lowest limits on tolerable human conduct rather than great aspirations and exalted ideals. Um, there, so if we find out that some small nation is not providing public schools... We're not going to freak out. We're not going to like invade it and force them to... Yeah, exactly. Right? And But there is no inherent contradiction in the idea of an expansive list. So this is not part of the definition, right? Okay. It could be an expansive list, right? Human rights could be a huge, long, three-page, four-page, hundred-page list of things that we should accord to human. Right. But, but really, human rights are just trying to avoid the worst, right? And maybe set up some goals for the future, but we're not necessarily trying to establish the perfect world. Okay. Okay. Do they mirror moral rights? Moral rights. Like, should this be mirroring a specific morality? It has to, right? Like, how else would you make a claim to a right outside of a moral claim? That it, it is just that people have a certain right. It is just they have a certain standard of living. Like, so you could identify it as a legal right and oh. say human rights are things that have been accorded to men by governments. And say simply that is it. Um, there's no contradiction in saying that. Then you're just passing the buck. Then you have to go like, okay, what what framework or what criteria then is government going to do use to determine what they're going to do? Is it just the capricious will of the government, and then, or are they ascribing to some sort of other natural law or some sort of idea of morality? Well, that's the hard thing. Is we're going to talk about this even more. Is that if we just identify it as a legal right, then what is the impetus for a government to establish and recognize a new one? Yeah, yeah. Basically, we're saying whatever you have decided is a moral is a human right is a human right, and is we would also like this one. And they say no because that's not a human right. Well, then you human just rights are defined by what we've already said are human rights. Then you just said it's then it's just a power thing. It's like whoever's the most strong in a society can determine it. Exactly. And there's no impetus for a country that isn't recognizing our legal rights as human rights. So the, right? the, because we established them, but they didn't. And so why 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 should they? When can we get into criticisms of the idea yeah, of the, human rights in general? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, we'll get there. Okay. okay. There 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 will, there will be a time. Grandma's There'll be a, a moment for your hackles to find No, his hackles are raised. Full display. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. I'm I'm being very good. Okay. Okay, so they don't have to be inalienable. They don't have to be minimal. They do not have to mirror moral rights, even if Graham says they should. Um, but they don't have to, according to uh, the definition. definition. They can just say the recognize will legal of power, rights. power yep. structures. All right. Well, really, really just recognizing that this is what humans have done. We have established these as moral, as, as like human rights legally, and therefore that's what we define as human mm. rights. It seems circular to me. And it does. especially it's like, doesn't, okay, well, it let's go really investigate offer, how humans did it. Oh, well, no, it's just... They decided to do it. doesn't really allow for progress in, gotcha. in moral rights. Okay. Um, do they have to serve some sort of political function? Um, human rights, rather than moral reality, are a highly useful political practice that humans have constructed or evolved. Might include standards. <laughs> the hackles. Hackles are raised. Um, but human rights can exist in a world with only one state, so it's not just an international law, for example, if every country were still destroyed, New Zealand was the only one left, they'd still have human rights. So it's not just things that are politically useful on the international sphere, right? Where we can say, ah, oh, your country isn't really doing this, our country is, and we can advocate for your country to get better because human rights would still <coughs> exist in a single country world. Do they exist within a family? I would assume so. Yeah. Okay. If it was just a family, not a country. So, so the, the question is, are they required to serve a political function? And the answer is, 
Not really, right? Okay. We can we can say that they happen in a family. If you it was only your family left on the planet, you'd still have some sort of human right, right? They would still be accorded to you even though there's no politics to serve. Okay. But we can still recognize that they do have political functions, right? Sure. So it's not required, like a human right to be a human right has to have political function. Gotcha. It's a human right nonetheless. Sure. With me so far? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so things they are, their rights, they are plural, they are universal, and they're high priority. Okay. Things they don't have to be, inalienable, minimal, mirror moral rights. I think that's where our hackles are being raised. And defined as serving a political function. Okay, and here's where we get into the part where I think most of our discussion will happen. How do human rights exist? How, how have we come to recognize these things? So what are your first inclinations as far as how do we establish a human right? Graham doesn't believe in human rights, so maybe... They don't exist at all. So he might disagree with the question. Um, no, I mean, my, my point is that it's an attempt to have, like, a transcendent ethical morality, but saying we just get to it through reason and not having to, and not having to sort of posit some kind of, like, telos of, okay. hum, of the human person. Okay. This is, this is not just mine. This is McIntyre's critique of it in After Virtue, is that they are... That it's... it's, it's an enlightenment, it is trying to come to some sort of ethic, some sort of moral ethic, spinning completely out of just human reason from the enlightenment, as opposed to, to positing some kind of like transcendent moral framework like a, like a, like the, the telos of the, of the ancient world or the Christian theological God is good framework, any of that kind of stuff. So in that sense, I think I agree with the thought with, the critics who say that it's ultimately a bankrupt idea. Like it, it's, you're going to get to that problem. Uh, and this is the problem, which, which it is, which is how do you generate new ones? Is it just like, you know, a Twitter poll? What we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just the ones that everybody wants. Or is there, um, like what is the stress test of whether or not some new thing is a right or not? Well, here's, here's my question to you. Do we have human rights? Do you think we have human rights? We ha- rights afforded that should be afforded to us as humans. Yes. Okay. Where do you pull that from? Um, being made in the image of God. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's possibility number two. So yeah. how can human ri- rights exist? Possibility number two is they are God-given. Yeah. They are innate. We yeah. are born with a certain set of human rights. Okay. So there, there are some things that come along with this definition. First, they must be general and abstract enough to apply to thousands of years of human history. Correct. If you think they are innate, they were innate for all ages, not just our modern so age. So like a right to public education is is one that's harder <sighs> to justify with that. Exactly. Because then you would look back and you would say, okay, well, in, you know, in rural France in the year 900, were they just like totally offside when it came to human rights because they didn't have public education? Exactly. That's the, that's the thing is that... Yeah. We would lose any anything that references, say, a modern stance, modern resources, modern sensibilities, yeah. right? Because it has to be large enough to go for mm-hmm. thousands of years. That maybe it would be better to reword things to say the opportunity for education, right? Human rights should be afforded the opportunity to educate themselves. Would apply in France, but now it's so general as to perhaps not have teeth. Because then we're unclear on what we mean by education. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's one problem with saying that they are God-given and innate. Um, it does secure them on a metaphysical level, but there's another problem. Lots of people don't believe in the Abrahamic God. Right. 
persuading them to believe in that Abrahamic God and then saying we should do rights is probably harder than just honestly persuading them of human rights in the first place, right? Saying that humans should have rights is probably an easier task if you're trying to convince, say, a Hindu person than trying to con convince them to believe in the Abrahamic God and then convince them of human rights. So it puts us on shaky terms with countries that are not Christian, Islam, or but you've, Jewish. But the thing is you've had those nations for thousands of years have moral frameworks that they used, that they appealed to, like if we're going to use the idea of the Tao, that have appealed to some sort of objective morality. Like it's not like you go to Shinto Japan in the, in the 13th century and they're like, they've secretly held on to this idea of human rights. No, they, they, they have some sort of idea of a transcendent um, ethical framework, like, like what Lewis talks about in Abolition of Man. Right. Okay, tell. so that's option number three. You're just trucking right along. Seriously? So we have, uh, yeah, option number two is... Did we get one? Did we we start, haven't done we one yet because you guys have not discovered Got to them. three. How many are there? There are four-ish. Okay. So number two is their God-given and innate. That's sure. how we establish human rights. But that's tough when you're talking to a country that doesn't believe in the Abrahamic God or believes in many, many gods. Okay. Right, so you'd have to appeal to their gods, but then doesn't that undercut you if you're trying to say that's where human rights come from? So that's the, that's the first little problem. Um, so the second option is they are part of actual human moralities. So this is what you say. So yes, Shinto Japan has a, has a morality that they are appealing to. Mm -hmm. The Hindu person does as well. Buddhists do. Like there is a groundwork of human morality there that you can appeal to independent of the Abrahamic God, right? Yeah. So, but the problem, they say that the problem with this is that worldwide unanimity about morality doesn't exist. And rights laws should change existing norms, not just describe moral customs. So, for example, in a country that, say, doesn't give women a lot of basic human rights, right, in involves, say, um, genital mutilation or child marriage, like six years old, like, human rights is often aimed at changing those customs, not just recognizing the morality that's already there. And that's the problem. If you're saying it's part of, like, a universal human morality, there are places where we'd really like the rights to change these, but the morality doesn't really line up. So what do we do with that? Colonize them. I don't know. Like, like <laughs> no, that's, no, that's, that, that often is, not often, but that's, that, that's sort of the hard, harsh way of saying it. But there's this idea that well, then like the values of, of the international order need to be brought to bear on the backward nations or whatever. And that, that, then in that sense, it's just like a power game. Yeah. So that we end up back at the power game, and that's not a great place. Or to be. like you know, like Afghanistan gets invaded, and 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 we kick out the Taliban, and we start sending girls to school. But then the Taliban comes in, and girls aren't going to school anymore, and and that's the um that was you know that's the justification the justification for for you know one value system encouraging on another one is that it gets to elevate that systems, um, human rights, you know, then you, you have these human rights violators that, that some people would think that gives, uh, powers that be the, the, the moral justification for like war. Okay. For so, invasion. Yeah. so you are, you are saying that invasion is maybe the solution? No, I'm saying that I, I am not saying that I'm saying that, that, that oftentimes, oh, we can do good by promoting human rights in the place where human rights have not been promoted. Okay. And you can give those examples of, you know, women aren't going to school or, or the general mutilation, these sorts of, these, these um, that, that 
human rights violation is used as the precursor for, as a, as a thing that needs to be a corrective. Not quite a false flag, but like a, a way of taking over, like a power grab? Uh, as a justification. As a, yeah. as, as a justification okay. for, for, you know. So weirdly enough, that moves us to wait, option... Could, but, wait, option... Number four. Is, is option one just like... We assert them. We just sort of assert them based on like crowdsourcing of people's tastes or opinions. Sort of. You guys are really close. Yeah. Uh, they exist because they have become part of a country's law. Sure. And this yeah. is a circular definition. Yeah. Human rights are rights because we say they're rights. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, to me, not a great one. Um, when they're in national law, we talk of them typically as civil or constitutional rights, not human mm-hmm. rights. So they're civil rights, the rights of a citizen, whereas human rights are rights no matter what country you're in. Um, it makes them vulnerable, right? Contingent on current policy, and it makes it really hard to enact new ones. If human rights are only rights because we have said so in our laws, that doesn't mean we, it precludes us from establishing any new ones, right? Then it's just whimsy when mm-hmm. we establish new ones. We're like, ah, now this one's a right because we said so. That's re- it's a really flimsy way of putting it. So uh, that's option number one, is human rights exist because they're part of the law. They are rights. That's mm-hmm. like saying a rock is, it's because we call it a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is it's God-given and innate, but that presents problems because it has to be good enough for thousands of years, and it's hard to convince countries that don't believe in one God to follow them. Um, it's part of actual current human moralities, but those don't always agree. Another problem. And at number four, it is based on true or justified ethical outlooks. So there are strong reasons for believing in a thing. It is attempting to formulate a justified political morality for the whole planet, not just describing moral consensus, trying to create one with plausible moral and practical reasons. Um, It requires commitment to objectivity and good, and the problem is that good reasons, what we might call good reasons, is like a thin form of human rights. Like, I have a good reason for this, they might say. We have good reasons not to, right? But this kind of escapes the the pluralism or moral relativism of saying everybody has different moralities. We say, look, we have good reasons that we shouldn't be marrying children to grown men. We have good reasons why women should be educated and not mutilated, right? These are, these are like actual good moral things that we can appeal to politically good reasons and honestly moral good reasons. And whether or not you currently agree doesn't really matter. Um, we have good reasons nonetheless. And so it's like formulating almost a worldwide morality that applies everywhere. Does that kind of make sense? This is the fourth one, correct? That's number four. How is that any different from talking about like an objective morality? This is, I mean, it is kind of talking, it is, you have to be committed to the objectivity of it. This is talking about objective morality. It is objectively wrong to marry child women to grown men. It's different from religion, though. Is that the, is that what the distinction? I'm just wondering how that, why it's distinctive. Distinctive from God? Yeah. Because it's, it is trying to, I think it's trying to distance itself slightly from saying it's because of the image of God, because not everyone ascribes to that. So saying, look, this is moral no matter who you believe in. Um, How? Ah, it's a great question. No, Very astute question. Again, right? it's it's like you're wanting. So um, just by saying it, because I don't know, just because uh, a Buddhist doesn't believe in the Abrahamic God means that you've got a massive philosophical problem. I don't. I don't. That, that like you can say that there is a an object like the Tao, the objective right and wrong out there that all cultures have some that people. That is an innate part of the human person is that we have a spiritual under we have this like innate sensitivity and understanding of rightness and wrongness 
that can get muddled and get confused and different parts of it can get amplified in cultures and ignored in other cultures. Um, but it's from that that we can make value claims about the right, well, what, what is appropriate for a child, what is appropriate for a woman, what is appropriate, what is... Well, I mean, it seems like you're just talking about option number four. Sure. It's okay, based fine. on justified, true ethical outlooks. Yeah. Yeah. But that is... But I, you're saying it raises the question of where that justified ethical outlook comes yeah. from. Yeah, and if you're wanting to yeah. play the game, that if you're wanting to say, well, it, you don't need to posit some sort of transcendent in order to have those 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 views of the ethical. I, I think that's a hard, that's a really hard position to hold. And I agree. I think it's a hard sell to say, yeah. look, this is the morality that we have all said is the good one. Like, say I'm the UN and I put forward my set of rights. Yep. And then I've got a country that is practicing child marriage and has for hundreds of years. And I come and say, look, we have, this is, this is a true morality that we are imposing upon you, right? It it is ethically right. There's good international reasons. You'll get lots of trade and stuff. And the retort is, no, it's not. It's not true. Mm -hmm. Morally, ethically. We've been doing this for a thousand years. We've been doing this for a thousand years. And you guys just put that document out last week. Yeah. Like without that grounding. And I, and this is where I'm in agreement with you, Graham, is I think grounding it like you do need some sort of metaphysical grounding or else it's free game right that Mm -hmm. else everything kind of like it sounds like great footing to say we have true ethical moral reasons for this and then the next question is which ones what are your ethical reasons well you you need to have a standard through which you can mediate those sorts of ethical disputes where someone says it's better for the community that we married children to adults it is a good for the community for these five reasons we've been doing it for a thousand years and people come forward and say, but it is bad for the individual because of these five reasons. And you need to have some sort of standard that can mediate between those two claims of goodness. And if, and if, the, if the standard is, is just we're the UN and we've got the bigger bombs, yeah. that's Or not you good. could say human reason, but sometimes human reason can't easily parse those things or is ineffective. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the great hope of the Enlightenment is that human reason can parse those things. Right. But it didn't necessarily succeed. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of where we're at is how can they exist? Well, could be God given, could be just that they are because we said they are, could be part of our generally accepted morality, or it could be like we have actually justified true ethical outlooks, but that raises the question. I don't say begs the question because that's a fallacy. It raises the question, okay, what, what exactly are your good reasons? The encyclopedia says the best form would be a robust legal existence. So they do exist. They are like internationally codified and said, yes, these are human rights um, that comes with widespread acceptance based on strong moral and practical reasons. So the encyclopedia bases it on these like practical and moral reasons, but didn't seem to give, in my opinion, much really good basis for those, right? Especially if you come up against someone who has a morality that seems to slightly differ from yeah, yours. Yeah, practical for who, right? <laughs> yeah, and moral for who, yeah. right? I mean, you just sort of run back into the question that that's essentially trying to solve, which is that our moralities sometimes are a little bit different. But are you saying that one of those other four options is better? They're, ba- they're basically saying we want the best of all four options. Are you saying there's another way kind that of, better? Kind of. Well, in my opinion, like, you have to ground it in, a, in the innate, like, imago dei of the person, right? So I'm, I'm sorry for our non-Christian listeners. Like, I think it is easiest to make a claim to human rights if you say we are accorded these rights because we are created to be a certain thing, right? If, if I say, 
I am the result of millions of years of evolution. And honestly, my personhood is accidental and completely chaotic. I don't know that I can make any claim on or, anyone or an else. an illusion of consciousness or whatever. Yeah. And I, I don't know that I can make any claim on anyone else's behavior towards me when really it's just the existence of the species that matters. Me personally, I don't necessarily matter. You can kill me. Like the species will be just fine. I cannot, of, of course, advocate for my own existence, but the, the ultimate vir, uh, virtue here is exi- uh, competition, right? So I can't claim that you should accord me anything equally. We should compete and let the best man win. I mean, granted, in evolution, there are examples of communities. You have ants, you have bees. Uh, ostensibly, we're probably like that, where we exist better as a community. But then the question just seems to lose all its footing, right? And we still have the question of why we think survival is good, right? There's still the notion of good out there that must be standing on something firm or else you just say good is good and we can't really appeal to anything else. Bees will still kill the queen if she stops laying eggs. Yeah. So, so there is a good and just where exactly how you ground that is the question. And I, I think the easiest way is with the Godhead, right? And then from that, you can say, well, here's, that's why I have these true ethical reasons is because they are true. And, and there is a morality that's built, built into us by a deity. And th- there is where I draw my human rights from. I, I understand. I, I think it, what that sounds like saying is it, it's easiest to come up with human rights if we agree with people on religious topics. And that, I yeah. think that's the major kind of pitfall there. I, I, I know Not we just gl- religious topics, but on an overarching human morality. Correct. But based on the Christian God, yeah, right? yeah, you have to you have to base it somewhere. I, yeah. I, I mean, that doesn't necessarily have to come up. Like, if I'm a delegate to go to the the UN that, and figure out I, human yeah. rights, yeah. if we're going to say, okay, you've got to have good moral reasons for these, they don't necessarily have to ask me where I base them. I can say, here are the things that I think are rights, yeah. and everyone else that might believe in a different God can agree. And right. then if they really want to get to the nitty gritty of why I believe those things, I can say, well, I believe we're created in the image of God. Everything you're saying is why I I know we that that first one on the like whatever we. In, um, encode in law is what becomes a human right. I think there's more of a there's just more of a case there of how do we know what people agree on? It's what we can get public support around and, and pass and, and actually codify into law. And that's where you I think it skips over the moral questions of like why people are proposing things which is what you're talking about. But we would know a thing is a law or we would know a thing is a right based on we passed the law that says this is a right. So I think it's an unsatisfying answer, but it's like, I think it's a more straightforward answer of where we live in a a country that has many different kinds of people. The things that people support is this thing that we were able to pass. Well, to me, it seems like the things they've listed listed as how thing, how, how rights can exist are actually a progression of how rights exist. Yes. So the final step there is that they are codified into law and then we can point to the law and say, these are human rights because we all agreed they were. Yes. Right. But they have to be based on something. For me, that's, God. Yeah. And then from God comes a justified, true ethical outlooks. Now, there might be somebody else who believes in a different God that has their own justified, in, in quotes, justified, true ethical outlooks. These become part of actual human moralities, which in turn produce a set of human rights that we've codified into law, right? So really, they're describing these as seemingly four thing, wellsprings from uh-huh. which human rights can come when to me it seems like a progression yeah sure you use all of them does yeah. that make sense like there's a little that, bit of each in there their ultimate answer combines multiple of those four so yeah i think i think even what you're reading from is doing what you're talking about until you jump the gun and you pronounce something something gets passed as a right in law that doesn't pass the moral or ethical test 
you still have that question of how did it pass though, right? Like why was a thing called a right yeah. and passed as a right, presumably with the agreement of those, uh, either the elected officials or the people who put them there. Mm-hmm. What are they believing that you're saying is mm-hmm. not a right? Because then that, that gets to this fourth issue of this disagreement over what is a good mm-hmm. ethical system, right? Then we're just back to philosophy again, right? I mean, so you see this you see this sort of clash when you're talking about sort of sexual ethics and and um, and you know uh, as as a right, um, you know, and then then you you get in those issues where like you have the World Cup and the you know the team from Belgium wants to wear the rainbow armbands and the team from Qatar like will refuse to play the game. Right. And now you've got this big, this big kerfuffle, uh, and and people are like, well, isn't, it, you know, well, it, it, um, sexual identity is enshrined as a human right in the UN, and Qatar is like, fine, but we we don't care. Right. And then um, uh, for us, that doesn't pass the the moral test, but it has been sort of written. You know, they they, they come and say like, you just wrote this document a year ago. Like we don't, you know. So then. Um, and then, and then that puts the, the, the powers that be a really precarious, interesting spot. Do they turn the screws on those who are not uh, abiding by the now sort of agreed upon right? Or if you do that, do you just sort of end up undermining your credibility because the only way you're holding up certain rights for people that don't agree with it is, by is imposing with force. On theirs, right? yeah, yeah, is with force and power. And then if you play that game, you, you can sort of end up undercutting the sort of this, what you wanted. You've lifted one right and trampled on others. You've right. lifted one right and trampled on others, and you've ended up delegitimizing the the good thing that you wanted either the UN to be, which was a unifying force in the world, but you've actually ended up turning it into just sort of like a power game between, right. yeah. Mm. Anyway, so that, that, that's kind of the, the, the difficult spot that an international organization that is going to talk about rights makes as that list gets more expansive to the more controversial points for its members. It also, I think AJ has already referenced, rights can, depending on which of those viewpoints you're taking, rights can exist at different levels as well. Mm -hmm. You could have a a, a right within your nation that doesn't extend internationally. Civil rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could have a a right that, you know, there are ways that you behave in your family that don't relate to how you interact with Coworkers, you know what I mean? Like there are just different levels of these rights as well. Yeah, I mean there are there are different speech rights, speech laws in France, and yes. there are in in, um, in in the U.S. I actually think there was a, a coach who who said something racially insensitive in France about players, and is in jail for it. Mm. Um, which is I, I I don't know if if saying a racially insensitive thing can jail you in an in, in America with free speech. You know, it's just there's that. So I. I'm saying this out of ignorance. I, I don't know the story well enough to be able to, uh, to look, look at it. But my, my ultimate point is, is that, yeah, then you have these regional legal um, interpretations over speech versus, mm-hmm. you know, what is hate and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess I'm, cause I'm just keep thinking, like, I think anyone can assert rights, but we don't know it's actually been become a right until there's something behind it to back it up. And that's that's the point that has been passed into law, right? Yeah, like that. There's some force behind it. Um, so that, that's just what I had in the back of my mind while you were going through. But those. what happens when you have a 19 year old kid whose entire sort of existence is in some sort of online community, 
and that's his whole identity, and he, it's like a game, or it's a community, or it's a subreddit, or whatever, and then begins to assert his right to the internet because that's his sort of entry point into this community that doesn't exist in you know, rural Iowa where he lives. Right. Is that a right? He can say For that. He, I mean, it probably feels pretty strongly that it's a right. Right. Um, so this is, this is where, this is like why I raised the question in the first place, right. is people are always like, we have the right to say free healthcare. I didn't know that was right. Right. And it's, it's especially because you're demanding a service from someone else, right? Health care. You want someone else to do a thing for you. Yeah. And that seems like it's never been a right in the past. I've never seen it codified anywhere. It's not, as far as I know, in the Bill of Rights. And when people declare that it's a basic human right, the addition of basic, by the way, I don't think does anything. It's... It's just it re- as a little rhetorical flourish. Yeah, it's a rhetorical yeah. flourish, just like a like a fundamental human right. Yes. Same thing. Same thing. Uh, maybe they're just talking about those rights that maybe are more like lofty goals. Well, there's, there's luxury. There's luxury human rights. Luxury, <laughs> and that's the thing. There are there are some like the right to education, which is more of a luxury, and the right to liberty, which is more of like a I would I would call it a foundational human right. But as far as I know, there is no actual real distinction between fundamental or basic human rights and human rights. Human rights are human rights. And so declaring that free healthcare is a human right, yeah. I don't know that anyone agrees on that. And it's certainly not necessarily within every nation's ability to give free healthcare to its denizens. Right. But that's why I want, like, then is it the wealth of a nation? Again, based on which viewpoint you take, maybe human rights do change over time. So as a country is wealthier, they have more of a capacity to provide things for their citizens. Then, therefore, healthcare should be on the table because it extends human life. And so, really, this hasn't solved anything for me. <laughs> what, do you mean, what do you mean? Well, if someone's—I always thought it sounded silly when someone said free healthcare is a human right, right? But the truth is, if rights are just what have been codified into law, and uh, uh, then it's not yet a right because it's not codified. Well, it's not yet a right, yeah. but it could become a right, yes. right? Because it has there seem to be good practical moral reasons for it. Not let people who are sick die. That seems like a pretty good thing. Yes, but. Really, this has solved nothing for me as far as what exactly I can say is a human right and what's not a human right. But it sounds like it's just a system that if it's if if it's true, it sounds like it's a system that only exists in terms of a grievance appeal from one rung of society to a different rung of society. Like, for example, if, if you are on a desert island and you're sick. And you are saying like, oh man, I have no access to healthcare. This is such an infringement on my human rights. To whom would you make that appeal? No one. There's no one on the island. Right. Okay, but you're living in in uh, you know. Can um, I can I just take that example though? Like sure. If someone, if AJ put you on that desert island, took away all your food and all your water, did mm-hmm. he violate one of your rights by putting you there? I mean, I, I guess so. Um, Okay, can I do a couple of things that might help illuminate our discussion? Sure. Yes. sure. I, I, I guess my, the, the point, I just want to put a cap on the point, is that um, it sounds like this is only a situation that exists in... I was going to say this is only a situation that exists in society, which is another way of saying, like, it just exists. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> funny. But, yeah, it, 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 it sounds like it, it sort of bases its existence on, like, grievances? I can't, I can't afford health care and the rich 
are should be taxed enough that I can. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Keep going. So there, I wanted to offer some of the normative justifications for human rights. So as people say, like I have good, true reasons for accepting these. They give sort of a list. One of them is particularly interesting. So I'll list them and then say the one that's interesting. So they have prudential reasons, practical reasons, moral rights, human well-being, fundamental interest, human need. And the interest one is agency and autonomy. So we must recognize human rights for the following reason. You are an autonomous person, right? You probably have, have make some sort of prudential right claim to freedom and well-being, right? I'm an individual. I'm going to move around the world. I'm going to try to claim freedom and well-being for myself. Okay. Because you do that, you, recognize, you have to recognize that everyone else is probably doing the same thing. Okay. Right. So in that way, if you want your rights, you have to recognize their rights. So that's one way that they sort of try to establish Unless I'm a jerk. human rights. Unless you're a jerk. Right. In which case. Then like, you don't have come to. at me. <laughs> Dignity, fairness, equality and positive freedom all all like lifted up as reasons. But again, all of those have to seem to me to have to be supported somewhere. Right. You can't just say these are the things we appeal to. You have to show me that those like are part of some moral system. Anyway, so those are some of the things that are posited. Um, there are political conceptions of human rights, which of course describe what human rights are by describing what they do. This seems to be when we've codified them into law, like here's what rights do. And that's what human rights are. Um, there are a few pretty common documents that, that sort of attempted to codify human rights. One is the U S bill of rights. Hmm? Um, it's pretty good. (laughs) It's, It's pretty good. There's another one that is the UN, let me get the name right here. Universal Declaration. Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The yep. UN has codified its own list, which is pretty good. And that's not the last one. There's also the European Convention on Human Rights. The European Convention seems to go a little bit deeper into things like trials and tribunals and that sort of thing. So if if you are looking for sort of a scale here, you have the American, which is what, like lowest rung of the ladder, and then you have the European, which is a step up the ladder, and then you have the UN, which is trying to say these are rights that are available to all peoples. Um, There are... Canada has one, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Sure, yeah. There are six families of rights within this universal declaration. Number one, security rights that protect people against murder, torture, and genocide. So safety of the person. Due process rights that protect people against arbitrary and excessively harsh punishments and require fair and public trials. Liberty rights that protect people's fundamental freedoms in areas such as belief, expression, association, and movement. Political rights that protect people's liberty to participate in politics by assembling, protesting, voting, and serving in office. Equality rights that guarantee equal citizenship, equality before the law, and freedom from discrimination. And social rights that require governments ensure all the the availability of work, education, health services, and an adequate standard of living. So I looked up health in the UN one, and it says everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of himself and his family, including food, clothing, housing, and medical care, and necessary social services, and the right to security in the event of unemployment, sickness, disability, widowhood, old age, or other lack of livelihood in circumstances beyond his control. This seems to me to be a lofty goal one there are a lot of places that simply cannot provide that for you. If you lose your job, there's not, not everywhere can say here is money for you. Does that make sense? Do you know what's behind the, like, so if the UN makes a declaration of human rights, are they then uh, pushing countries toward? Yeah, I think this is sort of setting a thing where we have a definitive list where if a country is not 
providing rights or infringing upon human rights, we can use it as justification for sanction or troops. Yeah. Yeah. I, is that a bad thing to set an aspiration or you're just saying it's not no, a the, right the, like because I, it's, there are, there's a sliding scale of rights, yeah. right? There's fun. There's human rights that are like, these ones are the ones that we absolutely must have. Yeah. Like, no torture and genocide, that kind of thing. Like that, that's great, right? Like Versus things that's a progression, right? Yeah. Like you may not be able to provide all your citizens with a fantastic, <laughs> you know, standard of living, right? Food, clothing, housing, and medical care. Not every country can do that, but you can certainly as a country aspire and try and have the government, that have that be one of the goals and functions of the government, even if it can't quite do it. Sure. Right? The moment it starts seizing people's housing is when we would say, okay, well now you're infringing upon a, a human On a different right. right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the... Because all the, you know, I think there are 30 articles in the Universal Declaration. Like, you have to do all of them, right? Yeah, and so maybe maybe it's actually shifting my mind where people are saying free health care is a fundamental human right. Maybe not free, but the availability. And to some of us who don't really have a whole lot of money, it's not really available. Uh, yeah, that could be a part of it, right? Because uh, even your language of providing implies that there's, like, one party giving it to another as opposed sure. to, like the goal of universal or global wealth, right? Allowing mm-hmm. people to do these things for themselves to yeah. avoid unemployment, sickness, disability, all that, you know, all those things. Um, yeah, I guess I don't, is it still something you are pushing back against though? Like, I'm not sure if you, if you come into this thinking human rights are a terrible concept. No, I, I thought human rights were a thing. I thought they needed to be more firmly based in some sort of outlook because it seemed to me that a lot of people, the people who were clamoring for human rights were also saying that there is no standard of morality. It seems to me that you cannot, let's try to have your cake and eat it too, right? Where you're saying morality does not exist, but you must accord me these certain things in all fairness. It doesn't seem like you can appeal to fairness and say there's no morality, right? A moral relativist cannot, they can try to clamor for human rights, but in the end, it doesn't matter. The government can choose what they want. Um, I guess, I don't know. But, and so I, I certainly believe in human rights. Yeah. It seemed to me that free healthcare was not in the One list, yeah. right? Because I'm asking for something from someone else. But maybe the availability of healthcare, like the accessibility of it is a thing. But it's weird to think of it as sort of a, a lofty goal that one may aspire to. To me, human rights seem to be just that, uh, the avoid, avoidance of the worst. Right. So maybe my, my needle is being shifted here. I don't know. I don't know, because even like just that concept of avoiding the worst, like even from just a self-interested perspective, like I want to live in a world where uh, I, you know, I'm not in pain all the time. And uh, yeah, like, um, are you in pain? No, just like I can have health care or like whatever, like thing. Um, okay, But it gets tricky because like some people could say, OK, let's, let's use birth, giving a birth, for example. Every birth should be, everybody should be, have the, uh, the capacity to have an epidural because that is health care. And any any sort of um, place where there is no availability of an epidural for having a baby is an infringement on healthcare. Like you're not you're not giving adequate healthcare, and that's an infringement on human right. Where there's lots of people that are like, listen, epidurals are a pretty controversial practice when it comes to the to bearing a child. Even the modern medicine practices of of, of taking somebody of bringing the woman to the, to a hospital and to, you know, like there's just so much, um, tradition there. There's just very different points of view as to what is constituted as something that's healthy. Some people may look and say the modern way of giving birth to a child is not a health is not healthy for the mother or baby. And lots of people say like, that's just 
crazy folk talk. Like, of course it is. This is modern medicine, you know? And so when you have clashes of that, um, um, those are, those are tricky grounds. If you're going to start saying like one of those and not the other one is going to be held up as a right. And the other one is going to be seen as like fringy woo woo. Um, you you, you could look and say like unhealthy, like the, the, how the, the fact that there's lots of, of, um, sort of unhealthy food in our modern life is an infringement on our, our ability to, to live healthy lives. Other people may look at it and say the fact that we can genetically modify crops and make vegetable oil has like allowed the planet to sort of overclock its ability to, to bear human beings. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, you know, which one is, um, is, yeah, is one more a luxury or is one more like a perf- uh, I want a perfected life as opposed to a minimal passable, a passable minimal life. life. Yeah. yeah. So here, here's some fun stuff. I found another thing. It's uh, it's an exercise from the Truman library. So if it's got a couple of things slightly wrong, you know, take it up with them. But it was a comparison between the U.S. Bill of Rights and the U.N. Bill of Rights. So things that are just in the U.S. but not in the U.N., the right to bear arms freedom from housing troops, and the right to a jury trial. That's all the U.S. has uniquely. The U.N. has a whole bunch of other stuff that's unique. Right to remedy, the right to be innocent until proven guilty, the U.N. Um, The right to free movement. This one is actually really interesting. It talks about your ability to leave a country. You should be able to get out if you want, which is interesting because there are some places that won't let you. Um, Right to asylum, right to a nationality. You have the right to be part of a country. Right to family, right to social security, to desirable work and trade unions. Here's an interesting one. The right to rest. You deserve leisure time. Interesting. That's provided for in the UN. Right? That you you get some time off. Right to education, right to participate in culture, adequate standard of living. And then there's a bunch that are in both, right? Freedom of religion, speech, press, assembly and association, unlawful search and seizure, due process, um, arbitrary arrest, right to a fair trial, freedom from cruel and unusual punishment, freedom from slavery, um, freedom from discrimination, and the right to vote. So there's a, uh, it's interesting, right? It's kind of cool. I like, I, the one that struck me the most was probably the right to rest. Everyone has the right to cool. rest and leisure, including reasonable limitation of working hours and periodic holidays with pay. That's one I of mean, the again, this cool? is just, the, yeah, the, the joke or the meme is that this is just like very European. Sure. Right? Like, uh, well, or people, people in Europe may look and be like, the right to bear arms, like how barbaric. Yeah. Remember, this is the UN one, I don't not, not the EU. The EU has a wow. whole different animal. Right. I guess. But I mean, the UN and the EU, like, pretty closely tied. Yeah, sure. Pretty closely tied. But they would have had delegates from all over. But Yeah, I guess, again, using it as an aspirational document, I don't necessarily see problems. It... I think we we still have the question of like who enforces this or who is making this making this change happen or what do we do where there are disagreements on some of those rights. Um, obviously, like you know the don't kill people. If there's a disagreement there, that's one thing. If there's a disagreement on what leisure time should look like, you yeah. know, what I mean? like those feel like different scales. Yeah, there's definitely a, definitely a scale on on human rights, and so when say a despo, despot despot despo despot despot yeah despot. A depot, okay. a depot. <laughs> yes, if you want to pronounce it in Frenchy style, you. Um, is you know tear gassing or just gassing his denizens. Then that seems like a pretty serious infringement on human rights. 
Yes. Right. Where some of those things are more severe than others and require action on the international stage. And I think that's part of why this document exists. It's yeah. not just here's what we should do. It's we actually need to enforce this, which is interesting to me. Okay, so has it has anything sort of formed in your mind as we before we say goodbye? That's time. Sure. I mean, yeah. I, I I still hold that it's like a severed branch that you're trying to bear fruit. Okay. Let's unpack that in the in-between time. In-between time. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, This has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. Thank you all for listening. You can find us online at classicalstuff.net. You can find us on Twitter at classicalstuff. You can email us, the guys at classicalstuff.net. And you can patronize us at patreon.com slash classicalstuff. There you will find our in-between episodes, which we record after each of our main episodes and also our monthly AMAs. We also have some previous conference talks that we've given, mm-hmm. and it's great. You should check. You should check it out. It's Patreon.com/slash/classicalstuff. I think that is it. So for well, and Crone, we see you. You got some Crocs coming your way, buddy. Yeah, coming your way. That's exactly right. So uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.